Hey, what a special morning. I'm really, um, I'm really excited to be able to bring you the word this morning, just um, what the Lord is already doing. <clears throat> I might lose my voice here in a minute. I was um, worshiping a little bit too loud, having fun. <laughs> hey, um, by the way, if you're new here, my name is Robert. I'm uh, the microchurch pastor here, and um, I am thrilled and excited to bring the word. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited. I really think that the Lord is about to do something special. Um, if you're joining us online, a special welcome to you. I'm glad that you're taking the time from the comfort of your home to be able to relax and watch and see what the Lord is about to do this morning and what he's already doing. So if you're able, will you stand to your feet with me so we can read God's word? We've been in the midst of a serious call, breaking bread. Is that DJ Geo? Come on, somebody. Oh, the party just got started. Let's go. That's good. Um, what was that? <laughs> Breaking bread has been, um, we've been talking about the idea in this thought that hopefully by now has actually become a reality in our lives that our lives are only as good as our, okay, there you go. I got about 10 of you guys. That's good. We're going to be reading out of Psalm, Samuel, 1 Samuel um, chapter 18, starting in verse one, everybody says, if you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, here we go. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officer as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul by singing and dancing. Talking about a party, huh? Celebrating. With joy, with joyful songs and with, with trembles and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. I don't know if anybody wants to make a song out of this, but I'm sure Saul will not be very happy about it. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased, displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands. He thought, but me the only, with only ten thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Let's pray. Jesus. We're asking that you continue to refresh us as you're already doing this morning. Awaken our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five next to you. Have a seat. Talking about relationships. <clears throat> there was a time uh, a few years back I was doing prison ministry and I was involved with a group of guys, and we used to do, um, we used to go into these different places and um, prison and 
and just kind of like preach the gospel and just minister. And we just had a really, really great time. Um, out of that group of people, there was this one guy, this one friend that said, hey, Robert, I really need to sit down with you and maybe let's have lunch because I really want to talk with you about some things. And I'm like, okay, cool. So um, let's do that. So we met up for lunch one day. And as we're sitting there, he starts off the conversation saying to me, you know, I, I really desire to be friends with you. I really want to be deep with you. And the more and more he said these words, the more and more uncomfortable I started actually getting. Because I was like, wait a minute, like, I, I started telling him, like, bro, like, we're already deep. We're already friends. Like, we're going to prison together. We're praying together. We are, like, ministering together. And the conversation went on and on and on. And then <clears throat> the more and more we got into the conversation, and the more and more he told me how he had a desire, that he had a longing in his heart, I realized that he was just not looking for a partner in, in ministry. He was actually really looking for a friend. And he said these words to me. He's like, Robert, I hear what you're saying, but what I'm really looking for and what I really want is a friend. We walked out of this meeting, and I'm thinking, we're cool, we're good, we're friends. And maybe a few months later, he never came back, you know, to prison with us. He said to me, Hey, I'm done doing prison ministry. I feel like the Lord is calling me to do something else. And I'm like, peace out. I was like, done. And you might say, well, Robert, that is like really cold and really insensitive on your end. And the reality is that as I'm about to talk to you about this, talking about friendship, I don't have this together. I really don't. And I know that some of us, even in the room, we might have like really close and good friends in our lives. But some of us might be feeling like we need help in this area. And this is where I want to kind of like jump in to some biblical principles to see how we can help each other and grow in this. Whether we are recipients or whether we are givers, whether we accepted or rejected, we all long for deep, meaningful relationships. We are wired to be in relationships, but we have an issue in our culture. And in the same way we may say we want deep, longing relationships, we have this idol within us that is constantly trying to take predominance in what we do in life. And that is called self. We are very selfish people. And we have this tension where we want these deep relationships, but at the same time, we're like, you know what? I want deep relationship, but not at the expense of my individualistic life. It's almost like one of those things I'm like, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'm down with you. I'm cool, but wait a minute. I got to take on myself first. It's all about me, myself, and I. And we say things like, I want deep, meaningful relationship. But when it comes time to it, we say things like, I got to take care of myself. It's all about me. I don't have time. I'm too busy. Relationships are too messy. Who has said that before? Come on, let's be honest. I have said that before. Relationships are too messy. People got a lot of issues. Right? Don't we say that? Am I the only one? Like, I mean, I started off being real, so let's be real too. All right, so we just went through a pandemic, right? We just went through a pandemic. And where we were isolated, in other words, we were forced to be isolated during this time of isolation, 
It actually has become a breathing ground for people to feel and become lonely. And we're not made to be alone. Will you agree with that? In our world, loneliness is becoming an actual pandemic. In the UK here recently, it says that in last year, um, the UK government actually appointed the first ministry of the lonely. I'm not making this up. This is real. They appointed someone in the government to take care of the ministry of loneliness in their country because they realized that about 40% of the population in the UK is suffering from loneliness. And I believe we're facing a crisis in our culture when it comes to friendship. But there's hope. There's actually hope. Actually, tell somebody next to you, there's hope. There's hope. And we're going to dive into these principles and I hope and pray that the Lord will open up our hearts to these realities. I got um, one big idea to share with you to kind of frame this out with three stopping points along the way. And the big idea is this. Friendship with Jesus empowers us to be true friends to one another. I'm going to say it one more time. Friendship with Jesus empowers us to be true friends to one another. First point, do you have friends? Tell somebody next to you, do you have friends? Tell the next person next to you, to the other side, you better get some friends. Almost everything we touch has relationship in it. Just think about your day for a second. Whether you're at home or you're working or you're driving in your car, playing, exercising, shopping, you're vacationing, worshiping at church, or doing anything that you do on a normal routine, it actually has some sort of touch when it comes to relationships. And we even interact with people in our sleep. It's crazy. Recently, not too long ago, and I'm not going to mention a name because they might be listening or watching, Someone told me that they had a dream about me being with them in this dream, and we're in a relationship together. And this person said, I had this gigantic tiger coming after me, and you just stood there and watched. I'm like, listen, you know what? To be honest, in real life, I probably would have been doing the same thing. Uh, let's just be honest. If anything, I'll be running the other way. See, we have relationships everywhere. <laughs> that kind of threw me off. That was kind of funny. But anyway. <laughs> See, we find and have friends based upon either our circumstances or our choices. We meet people at work, at school, with doing sports, people we bump into on a regular basis, people in our neighborhoods. These are people that come in contact with, that we come in contact with, in other words, we are kind of like doing life as normal, and these are people that we kind of like come across them, and there we might have a friend or two. Now, the other side is that we have, to, we have also choices where we actually get to choose who our friends are, and this is not accidental. This is actually very intentional. This is you making the choice of who you will let in to the circle of friends. And the reality is that the more influential people 
have in your life. The more influence people have in your life, the greater the impact they will have in you. Proverbs 12, 26 says it like this. The righteous choose their friends very careful. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. This is why we must choose our friends wisely. Harvard conducted a study um, a couple of years ago, um, thousands of females and males, where they asked the question, uh, what is the key to human happiness? Or what will be the key for your human for your happiness? And their finding was like crazy. It says that it was not wealth. It was not a great career. It was not fulfilling their bucket list. It was not fan. And I, by the way, when I saw that bucket list, I'm like, dang, like, I want to, you know, that don't make me happy. But anyway, um, it was not fulfilling their bucket list. It was not their fame. Um, it was not winning the lottery ticket. It was actually the desire to have deep, meaningful friendship. And why is this? Why do we desire deep, meaningful relationship? Because we were made to live life together with one another. And let me say it like this. We are, it's part of our DNA. This is the reason why said, well, that's the reason why God said in the garden, he said, it is not good for men to be alone. And a number of studies have done, been done on this, that the, these studies all point that the nurturing of deep relationships is a positive influence in the human soul, physically and emotionally. And this is God. This is the way he has wired us. This is his creation. This has nothing to do with like, man, I really want to have some really cool friends so we can do some really cool things and we can really hang out and do some amazing, great things. No, like this is the way we're wired. This is the way he made us. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10 says it like this. Two are better off than one. And I thought about this. I'm like, okay, yeah, we, we say this a lot in weddings, right? But this across the board applies to every relationship we have. Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. See, deep, meaningful relationships, it's like scuba diving. Does anybody scuba dive here? Raise your hand. Ooh, okay. Okay, right? It, it requires for you to put on some gear and actually go deep into the depths of the sea to be able to enjoy a whole new world. And the reality is you got to go deep. And the issue is that we, we long for deep relationships but not at the expense of us sacrificing ourselves. And Pastor John, let me say it like this. Pastor John, not too long ago, preached a message about that your, your best self is your sacrificial self. And this is like a plug there. You need to watch it. You need to listen to it. It's really powerful. And it says that um, when we stay at the surface level, we will have surface level relationships. Proverbs 18, 24 says... One who has unreliable friends 
soon comes to ruin. And this might sound hard, but this is the reality. This is where we at. When we stay shallow in our friendships, we will only find unreliable, shallow friends. And if we're looking for deep, meaningful relationships, we need to dive deep with the one another, with one another, into the depths of our soul, into the depth of our hearts. Why? Because we long for it. Point number one, do you have friends? And point number two, if you do have friends, says, what kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? See, friends have and always will define a person's life. It's not you by yourself. Trust me. We can be our worst enemy when it comes to us. Who you spend time with, who you socialize with, who you give priority to, who has your most attention, that's who will influence you the most in your life. Now, going back to our main story, talking about Jonathan and David, this relationship in the Bible talks about that Jonathan and David was an extraordinary relationship. Of all the friendship in the Bible, this is the most amazing story that we have ever found. David was a young shepherd, and Jonathan was a prince, the son of King Saul. <clears throat> and actually, he was in line to become king, Jonathan was. Now, David became known to be the king because he killed the giant named Goliath, right? When David was meeting with King Saul after he killed Goliath, he also met Jonathan. And as they began to see each other, the Bible says that they immediately became friends. Both men were of deep faith, and they formed an instant bond with one another. They were both warriors and soldiers. In other words, like, so, so think about it like this. The Bible talks about, and I think it's in 1 Samuel um, chapter 17, where um, David goes out and kills Goliath, right? And there's a part that is kind of like really gross and disgusting. He actually shaves off the head or cuts off the head of Goliath, right? In the Bible, it talks about actually that David, when he showed up to King Saul, he was still holding the head of Goliath in his hand. Now, how disgusting that is. And I was talking with him, my, my daughter Isabella about that. I'm like, wow, like how, how explicit this can be. Like the Bible can be kind of like weird and cruel. But I, I was telling him, I'm like, think about it. Back in those days, that was very natural to them. Just as it is natural for us to do something in our culture, in our time, for them, they were constantly in battle. They were always in a fight. In other words, their mentality was more like, I'm a warrior, I'm a soldier, right? And so that's the, 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 that's the way they, so when Jonathan saw David, he immediately was able to identify himself with David because he saw himself in David. Perhaps he might have seen himself in a way like, man, like, I want to become like David. This guy is like, he's the real deal. <clears throat> And it says it like this, 1 Samuel 18. As soon as um, he had finished speaking to Saul, the, uh, the soul of Jonathan had, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own. But see, this friendship, this friendship actually almost never happened. 
right? David and Jonathan has seemed destined to become actually enemies. Jonathan was in line to become the next king. Why? Because his dad saw he was the king. And so, you know, obviously it was, pro it was appropriate for him to actually rise up and become the king after his dad. Now, Jonathan was the next sign in line. And then, however, David was appointed by God to replace Saul. And so Jonathan realized, wait a minute, God is revealing to me that David is going to be the next king. And so if anything, instead of me trying to get connected to my dad, although he's like, like crazy and evil and all this, I'm actually connecting, I need to connect with David. And David and Jonathan knew this, that this was God's plan. See, in your life, you have three types of people. We have three types of people. And to kind of gauge the level, I want to help you with this. To kind of gauge the level of commitment that these people have in your life, we're actually going to use a very important event in your life, um, maybe your birthday. Let's use your birthday as, a, as the gauge of um, having your friends kind of like uh, uh, committed to your relationship, right? So first, we have this circle. The big circle says your casual friends. This, these are your casual friends. It's a big spam of people. There's a lot of people that you know, but these are your casual friends. And, and using our, our, our gauge, you know, uh, with your birthday, let's put it like this. They, they will wish you happy birthday if they look at their social media on that day. These are your casual friends. Thank God for Facebook and for Instagram that they kind of reminds us when it's somebody's birthday. These are your casual friends. These are people who you see from time to time. If you post something on social media, they might like it. They might respond to it. They might just not even like say anything, right? You get a text from them when you need something from them or when they need something from you. That's the first one, your casual friends. Next, we have your close friends. We have your close friends. Now, these are your mid-circle people, right? And, and to kind of like use our gauge of, you know, birthdays, let's think about it like this. These are people that will show up to your birthday if you invite them, right? If you invite them. And not only that, if you invite them, they will actually bring you a gift. That's how nice these people are. Now, these are people who you see regularly. If you post something, they will comment on it. Um, you exchange text messages with them maybe once or twice a week. If you have a problem with these people, let me put it to you like this. These are not the people that you're going to go to. These are your close friends. And third, your core friends. Your intimate friends. Your real friends. Now, to use, <laughs> to use our birthday analogy, the idea is that these are the people that will throw the party for you. These are the people that not only will throw the party for you, they will actually make sure that everyone that is coming in is going to bring a gift. These are the kind of people that you want in your life. These are the people who... <laughs> I love Justin. I love Justin. I, now I see John. I see. I understand now. 
These are the people who are really into you. They are for you. They weep when you weep. They laugh when you laugh. They're always listening to your problems and have time to rejoice with you. Nothing on earth can stop them from finding time to spend it with you. They're the ones that you can actually keep a secret and they will not tell anyone. <clears throat> they are the ones that, they're the ones that even when you're down, they're coming down with you. These are the ones that when you're going up, they're going up with you. These are the ones that when you're stuck, these will be right next to you. These are the kind of friends that are very few. These are people that care deeply for one another. They are to you what Jonathan was to David. Philippians 2, 4 says it like this. Let each of you not look only for his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And let me put it to you in my own words. Let us not be so fixated on the idea that I want to be interesting to people. What about us being interested for people? Because the idea is that scripture gives us a blueprint for the thriving relationships that we all desire. There's one Greek word throughout the New Testament that is core to who we are. It says, um, the word is alelion. Alelion. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, if anybody knows Greek here, please translate it. Alelion. It's not a verb. It's, a, it's not a specific something that we actually are told to do. It is who we are told to do many things to, for, and with. And this word in English is actually translated one another. And a few verses that talks about this is we comfort one another, be devoted to one another, accept one another, admonish one another, be at peace with one another, be patient with one another, be like-minded towards one another, build up each other, confess your thoughts to one another. I mean, there's like hundreds of these scriptures. Live in harmony with one another, love one another, serve one another, and store up one another. We never, we were never intended to live life alone. See, it is not independently by ourselves, individually, or even isolated. Why? Because we will not thrive like that. We need one another. You know, you, you want to put this in practice. I kind of like want to give you in the middle right now even a, an application. Um, do an assessment of your current relationships in, uh, out of all the three circles that I just mentioned. Casual, close friends, and core friends. Do an assessment and, and see if you're living the one another and who you're living it with. Commit yourself to live this life and actually... All these scriptures are able to be downloaded from our app. So I want to encourage you, and even microchurch leaders, even right now, it, the fall semester is going to start soon um, as we're going to go into a break. But let me put it to you like this. Our, take your microchurch through the one another's in the Bible and see how you can actually build some thriving, thriving relationships. You know, at the beginning of this talk, I actually um, started off very vulnerable of how me, 
as a friend actually dropped the ball big time. And, you know, this brother was actually, what he was really looking for, he was looking for someone to live life with him in the one another. That's what he was looking for. And, and, and it, this really made me think of like, you know, even, even as I was meditating, I'm like, why I, why I didn't see that in that moment? Like, wh what happened? Why I was not able to, to see his heart or what he was longing for? And, and what the Lord kind of started showing me was like, Robert, you, you needed first the sandpaper in your life. You need a sandpaper. See, sandpaper <laughs> comes in all shapes, colors, and sizes. And so I'm going to ask you a question and just, just, you know, shout it out. What will be the purpose of sandpaper? Anybody? Make things smooth. What else? What? Shape. To shape. Make things smooth. To shape. What else? What is sandpaper for? Somebody was like, what is sandpaper? <laughs> Anybody else? Perfection. Sandpaper will take a piece of wood or it will take a piece of metal or something and it will actually start working out the imperfections so like that, that thing that you're trying to smooth out will actually reach its entire potential. Because otherwise, if we don't do that and we just try to put it out there, which I just lost about everybody that likes to you know, have like raw wood around and all that. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that the idea is that wood or metal or anything that you put sandpaper to is the idea that we are looking for their full potential. And this is the reality in our lives. That when we actually have people in us, in our lives that are living the one another, these are people that are actually smoothing out the edges in our lives so we can reach the full potential that God has for us in our lives. Tim Keller says it like this. He says, like a surgeon, friends, listen, oh, you see it, but anyway, <laughs> like, like, a, like a surgeon, friends cut you in order to heal you. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion. See, the one another is like the sandpaper. When it's worked against the surface, it brings out the best in us. It brings out the full potential. Imagine, church, what will happen and we will all start living out the one another. Imagine what kind of community we will have if we're actually saying, I'm not going to be trying to be interesting to someone. I'm actually going to try to be interested in someone. Church, imagine what will happen to a group of people that is set out to live this biblical principle. Talking about the reality of the kingdom of God showing up. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourself. And I got a few applications here that I'm going to throw out before we go to the last point. The first application is consider one another. Go ahead and consider one another more important than yourself. The second point is get plugged into a microchurch. This will help you discover the real you. It will help you discover the potential 
that is in your life. <clears throat> the third one is if you have struggled with relationships in the past or friendship that you have had in the past that actually hurt you or situation. I really want to be sensitive to that because, you know, some of us are still recovering from some relationship. Man, I, I encourage you to go see a counselor and talk it out. And lastly, go build some close, trusted relationships that you can actually mentor one another so like that you can become the Jonathan to the David. We all need a Jonathan in our lives. Point number one, do you have friends? If so, what kind of friend are you? And third and final point, true friends will always point you to Jesus. True friends will always point you to Jesus. David is on the run. He's running for his life, and he's all alone. He's by himself. He's probably exhausted physically, emotionally, and most likely also spiritually. Not knowing who to turn to, not sure who his friends are. Although knowing that God was with him, because we see the, the Psalms, the book of Psalms, is filled with David expressing himself to God. Guess who shows up? Jonathan. Jonathan shows up. 1 Samuel 23, verse 16 says it like this. In the worship team, you can start coming up, actually. I'm about to close here. It says it like this. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Jonathan went to find David and encourage him to stay strong in his faith with God. See, real friends in your life is the one who walks in when the rest of the world is walking out. Do you have friends like this? I, I, I long for that. See, friendship exists for this, to say things that keep one another encouraged in faith. Microchurches exist for this, to say things that keep one another encouraged in the faith. Church, you exist for this, to keep one another encouraged in the faith. See, true friends will always point you to Jesus. And see, I know that there's been a lot of controversy throughout the years about this story about Jonathan and David. See, in the days of old, in the Old Testament, there was this idea that if one was stripping off his royal garment, it was an idea that it was not even thought about. It was actually a political matter. It was something about you were, you were stripping off the kingdom that actually belonged to you. And back in those days, it was all about kingdoms and establishing them and conquering them. But see, the idea is that Jonathan and David, 
this amazing, extraordinary relationship is actually pointing to something else. It's actually giving us a glimpse of something totally different. See, Jonathan's action is pointing to someone else. This is actually pointing to an idea where there's a display and an action that he is taking where he's stripping off himself of who he is, of his status, and he's putting it on Jonathan. Sounds familiar? And it was in the same manner that Jesus stripped off his divinity to come down from heaven to meet with us because he realized there is a kingdom that I have that I want to establish here on earth. There is a reality that is happening in heaven that everything is good, that everything is pleasant, that everything is in harmony. And he is saying, I want to establish the same thing on earth. And the way I'm going to do this is by me stripping myself off of who I am and putting the kingdom on another end and I'm going to go down to them and meet them where they're at. And I'm going to clothe them with my righteousness so like that they can be to Jonathan, they can be to David what Jonathan was to him. Jonathan made an everlasting covenant with David. He stripped himself of the rope that was on him and he gave it to David. Jesus stripped himself of his glory and he was covered and he covered us with his rope of righteousness and he even armed us and girded us to fight the good fight of faith. Jonathan strengthened David's hand in God and Jesus said these amazing powerful words. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, the whole story of Jonathan and David actually points to Jesus. Philippians 2, 6, 8 says like this, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who through the, through, uh, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God and something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking up the form of a slave by looking like other men and by sharing the human nature he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even the death on the cross and these are the words that Jesus said to his disciples as he was about to depart he says in John 15 13 says greater love has no one than this that someone will lay his life for his friends no longer I called you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends friends this is my prayer this morning some of us might have been seen or looking at Jesus as our Savior and rightfully so we some of us see him as our Lord and rightfully so and we see him as our Redeemer and rightfully so friends my prayer is this will you allow the Spirit of God to reveal himself that he will reveal Jesus to, to you and to us as a friend do you have a friend like this will you stand to your feet
as we worship. Do you have a friend like this? Are you a friend like this? See, friendships with Jesus empowers us to be friends with one another. Church, I don't know how you came in here this morning, but I know this. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he is here. He is right here this morning. We see it. We feel it. We know it. At the beginning of service, as we were worshiping, we were experiencing something powerful. That is the friendship and the longing that God has for us and for one another. Man, let us worship the Lord. We're going to go into a song and just, as we go into a song and thinking about these things, will you allow the Lord to start moving in your hearts, even right now? Let's go ahead and worship.